Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome into College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. I am one of the co-hosts, and we have a, a fantastic show lined up tonight uh, in the week 11, I believe is the right week. And I want to bring in uh, our other co-host, Chris Petroselli. Chris, how are you tonight on this uh, week, week Thanksgiving week, I guess we'd call it, right? Yeah, no, I'm doing well. I'm, should be a, um, should be quite a good show. We got your old boss Karen Hopon yes. from Auburn, and I'm sure she's going to be fantastic, and she'd be a lot more interested than you are. I, I'm I'm sure that she will be. Um, well, there's no question. She has lots of stories, and we'll get into plenty of them. But um, you know, Chris, I'm thankful this week. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for so many things in this Thanksgiving week. But you know, most people enjoy Christmas. Or Easter, but Thanksgiving—that's my holiday. That's that is it. my holiday, right? Yeah. yeah, you get a good meal, you get a lot of good food, and and you know you go around the table and say what you're thankful for. So, right, you know, I'm certainly uh, very thankful this time of year, and and you know you being around, still around at your older age, ah. um, to be able to argue with is uh, yes. just something I'm really yeah. thankful about. Yeah, and yeah. and so I believe that you're you're saying this because you want me to say how thankful I am for you. <laughs> Is, is what you're no, what you're trying to get to? No, right? no, no, no. Well, Matt, I, I am thankful that. for you. I'm thankful yes. for your friendship. I'm thankful uh-huh. to have you on this show. Um, it's been it's been uh, quite fun, and hopefully mm-hmm. we can make it another week. Well, well, yes, and we'll see what Brian's thankful for when he comes on a little bit later. Well, we'll, 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 we'll find out. Yes. Hey, I want I wanted to um, talk a little bit about uh, just the. Uh, completion of the of the fall season now that that everybody's done playing right uh, uh-huh. you know the, the four leagues that that played that everybody's finished they finished up this weekend with, with the uh sec final um and and certainly for for some teams that played it was a great fall you know for other teams it wasn't maybe it wasn't so good um and and the first question i kind of have for you is like what do you think the chances of the spring season happening are you, you think we're going to get it in do I think we're going to get in? I think I'm probably 50-50 on if we're going to get in. I'm concerned. You know, numbers spiking. The, again, this is just Matt Mott's opinion. No one said anything to me or told me anything or anything like that. But I'm concerned about the, the fall sports getting to spring. I think they're going to work really hard to – obviously, they have to get basketball in. I think they're going to work really hard to get – softball and baseball and all the spring sports that missed out last year, golfs and tennises and all of those. And I worry about where do the fall sports fit? You know, they've reduced our tournament already. Um, some leagues have already said they're not going to, well, I guess just one league in the Ivy said they're not going to play. So I'm concerned. I, I am. I, I can see it going either way. I'm 50, 50. Yeah. We are kind of on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to, you know, who really needs to play. Right. I mean, the, yeah. like you said, basketball needs to play. And, and it would be really unfair to those kids who play the spring sports, you know, to cancel them and, and have our kids play who, who, ha- who haven't missed a year yet. So you're right. right. I do think that there is a concern there. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay. So looking back, um, if you had to make the choice before this uh, season started to play um, or to wait till the spring, based on what you know now, based on how it went and all of that kind of stuff, what would you have chosen? 
True. I think um, you would have gotten different answers from me at different parts of the season. When we started, I was super excited and, and, and ready and my team was ready and, and, you know, was excited about playing games. And, and then I would think when, you know, we were one and three and leaving Auburn after a, a tough loss in overtime, I said, what the heck are we doing? Why'd we do this? But then as you flash forward and things go better for your team, then you think this was probably worth it. I think it was really difficult, Chris, um, but I think in the end, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we got in nine games and uh, were able to play. And, and I think it was really important for the student athletes, for their mental side, um, for every part of it, I think it was important. So the coaches is probably important too, but there were parts of the year and you, you know, I, I said it to you, there were parts of the season where it was really uh, very difficult to go through it for sure. And I, I look at it and I, and I look at some teams and, and, you know, given what they what they went through with injuries and COVID and things like that, I look at a team like Florida and I go, they, they have to be thinking and maybe it would we would have been better off if we just, you know, waited to, to the uh, spring or and then you have, you know, the teams like, you know, Vanderbilt's a great a great example early in the season. Uh, you know, it was a struggle for him. Um, again, injuries, and I'm not sure if they had COVID issues or whatever it was, but, you know, they struggled early in the season. So I'm sure as a coach at that time, you're going, man, I, you know, I don't even know if this is worth it right now. And then the season ends and you've, uh, you know, you've won the league and you've qualified for the NCAA tournament. And you think, man, that was worth it, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's all kinds of different, you know, opinions from it, you know, looking at it from, uh, you know, from the point of view of someone who didn't play, um, I wish we had played, you know, I, I wish we had had the chance to play. Um, so I thought it was, uh, you know, the perspective is it kind of depends on, on, you know, what you went through and what your team did and things like well, that. Well, we'll ask coach Hoppe too, when we bring her on as she went through some COVID stuff, missing games and, and, you know, team, other teams had COVID and then they had a little COVID issue and, you know, she had a four games in a, you know, eight day, period or something crazy. So we'll ask her what, what she thinks too. Cause it is, sure. it's a good question when you, when you are talking about the whole fall now that it's over, like, you know, would you ask, you ask Mark Kikorian how he feels, but you also could ask Sarah Barnes how she feels, right? Like yeah. everybody yeah. had different, different seasons for sure. And, and, and what they think. So, sure. Uh, but it's, it's a really good question. Yeah. Well, let's bring uh, the big deal in. Yeah, it's time, isn't it? So we will bring in, uh, as we always do at this time of the show, and, and of course, we always ask him uh, different questions, but uh, we're going to welcome Brian Lee, the, the big deal, for our Too Many Minutes with Brian. First of all, Brian, what are you thankful for? Oh, Matt, I just live moment by moment. I'm just excited to be on this podcast tonight. <laughs> you guys, let me tell you this, you know, uh, I, I was doing some research on on podcasts yesterday, believe it or not. And okay. uh, I went and I looked up soccer podcasts just to see how many there were. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I clicked on, and, and so I found a list, and it was alphabetical. So I clicked on the letter C, right? Take a guess how many that begin with a letter C. Just guess. Seven. Okay, Brian? More than seven. Twenty. Try 500. Whoa. <laughs> so I think we're in kind of a crowded space. Oh, oh, and these were just soccer podcasts. These aren't just any podcasts. These are just soccer podcasts. Well, but hey, you didn't mention, though, at the beginning of the show, we've gone over 2,000 downloads. We have. So and we picked up now our 13th country, Switzerland. Ooh. Yeah. Neutral about the whole thing. 
<laughs> Good one. Uh, all right, Brian, how are you? What, what, what are you thankful for? Oh, you're thankful day by day. And day, day by day. day. That's right. I'm just thankful to be on this podcast in this yeah, moment. Sure. Tomorrow's yeah. not guaranteed, Matt. No, it's for not. Any of us. No, it's not. That's right. That's right. All right, Brian, let's uh, let's go through this thing. Um, impressions from the week. You know, the week was really uh, the SEC tournament, right? Yeah. And, um, a really exciting tournament, first of all, like goals like crazy, right? People scoring goals like crazy and, um, you know, but Vanderbilt really is the – is the story of the tournament. You know, they, they struggled a little bit early in the year, and, man, they went on such a great run here in, in the tournament. They beat Arkansas in the final 3-1, to one, um, clinched the automatic bid. Um, and for me, as I watched the game, Arkansas ran out of legs. You know, it's happened to them five years in a row where they just don't have any legs left on that last day, even the way that they play and they press. And, um, and Vanderbilt... In, the, in their last three games, they beat the one seed, the two seed, and the three seed. So they are a deserved champion. Oh, absolutely. And and first off, kudos to Arkansas to make the final five straight years. You, you know, they're making Marv Levy's Buffalo Bills turnover in their grave. But five straight years, five different finals opponents, and to lose them all. And, and I think in their case, it's just a testament to why their playing style is successful and, and why maybe it's got limitations in Orange Beach. It's so dependent on hard work and running and big, strong athletes and putting the ball in the box and chasing down a loose ball and sticking it in. And you can only do that so many times in so many days. In Orange Beach, even with you know, only having to play three instead of Vanderbilt's four, it's just not set up for them to win the final. Everybody should be smiling when they see Arkansas across from them in the final because you're going to get a tired team, and and that was definitely the case. But the the week in in the bigger picture, Vanderbilt was the story. I didn't think they were tested in the four games, to be no. honest. Several of those scores were kind to the opposition, and they ran them out out by two goals. Um, just a great display, and and they certainly peaked at the right time. Looked like a different team from earlier in the season. For sure, for sure. So, congratulations to both of those teams uh, who had who had really great years, and certainly for Vanderbilt for winning the winning the championship. So, who's your uh, player of the year in the SEC? SEC player of the year. You know, that's a tricky one. I think it's a league that's super deep in defenders, not so many you know elite attacking players. So, when I looked at it through that prism, two kids kind of came to mind. So, I would have gone co players of the years. Uh, player of the year, uh, Jimena Lopez from A&M. I thought with a really freshman-laden team and relying on so many young players, she gave him a veteran presence, uh, did an adequate to good job as a defender coming out of the wide back spot, but really fantastic going forward. And then uh, my second choice was Ashley Orcas from Ole Miss just because of the separation from her contemporaries. I think she's so clearly the top goalkeeper in the league and and was probably the only goalkeeper in the league who made a positive difference for her team over the course of the year at, in a significant way. What do you think? Um, well, I, I think you named two players that certainly, you know, I considered. Um, but I went with uh, Anna Potagel, um, you know, and more. I think she scored four goals, which, you know, which certainly is good, but but isn't overwhelming. But she had eight assists, you know. So she, in, a, in, a, in a shortened season, she's responsible for twelve goals. Um, and and I don't think Arkansas 
uh, wins the league um, in, in such a dominant fashion without without her without her up front. So for me, for me, it was it was Potajo. But I think, as you said, it was really close. There were a lot of different players that you know you could have selected along the way, and we haven't mentioned a player you know a player from Vanderbilt, and, and they had a whole bunch of them you could consider. No, and and really, if you wanted to bring in the SEC tournament, and really, because the regular season was short, even for the MVP of that tournament, I didn't know who was going to turn up with that. They had four, five, six, yeah, I thought outstanding performances, game by game. Conte was very deserving, and she might have been my first choice on that, but Hopkins looked like a different player from earlier in the season, and kind of really, it might have been the first time she was healthy, to be fair to her, and I thought she really dominated that tournament as well. Yeah, she was definitely up for it, no doubt about it. And how about your coach of the year? This was interesting. This was very interesting, I think. Uh, I think, again, a lot of great candidates. I think uh, several coaches did a fantastic job with their teams and and everybody having to navigate COVID uh, this fall. But you know who I came up with? His team was picked 12th in the preseason poll of coaches. And they went into Orange Beach with the fifth seed. They beat Florida in the first round. It's uh, Brian Blitz for me. Same one. I picked the same one. Oh, get out. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I thought he did a great job. You know, Arkansas, full credit again. Colby, very deserving. G at A&M. Co-champions. Dismissed. Great job as always. But there was only one team that really over, overachieved to that level. And I thought it was Missouri. Yeah, and, and, and given that last year, didn't they finish 13th or something like that last year? Maybe 14th? I don't know. They were near the bottom last year. Absolutely, and Sarah Luber graduated. Yeah, you know they lost their best player, maybe yeah. the best player in program history. Yeah, they, they, they certainly turned it around. So, okay, let's do a little, uh, just a little recap on uh, on the fall season. Um, the uh, best player you saw, the best player. You know, a week or two ago, I didn't choose her as their conference player, but Jalen Howe. Yeah. You know, that's the one for me that's she's the future, hopefully, of our national team. She's got a, you know, an incredible uh, road ahead of her, but you know, dominant in a dominant league for me. Yeah. And I, and I could I certainly could see that. And I had her at a very, very close second to Yasmin Ryan. I, I just thought, you know, Yasmin, you know, with her, her ability on free kicks, her ability to score goals, her ability to create goals, um, the way she got up and down the field. And I know she got hurt at the end and, um, and maybe that takes a little bit away from it. But if, if you ask me, just like when I watched the game, what player stood out the most for me of any any player that I saw, it was Yasmin. And maybe, you know, maybe we're a little, a little biased with her because we've spent some time with her. But um, I, I thought she was fantastic. I thought Jalen was, you know, everything she was advertised and, and maybe even a little bit more, you know, Jalen does all the, all the dirty work and, and things like that. But, you know, she had came up with some big goals as well. So two really good players for sure. Yep. And both really two way players could go anywhere on the field and make an impact. Yeah. Okay. And just a, a little recap here of uh, what's going on now, as far as the NCAA tournament. So out of the Sun Belt, we have South Alabama with, uh, with the automatic bid. There's, Probably a one bid league, wouldn't you agree? I would think yes. In yeah. the days of seventeen, eighteen at largest, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, let's go to the ACC. I think Florida State, obviously automatic. North Carolina for me is a lock. I think Duke is a lock as well. I think uh, Virginia and Clemson um, probably, you know, at the moment, 
um, if you had to pick somebody, you'd say they were in, but obviously there's games left. So for me, they're still on the bubble. You, you got to put them both on a bubble pending who they play in the spring. And really what's the right decision for them, who they play. Cause by not playing anyone, they probably can protect their status a little bit. And, you know, if they play the wrong team and drop a game, and when I say not playing anyone, I mean anyone on the bubble or who could potentially beat them. Um, or, you know, do they open themselves up and get games with the other bubble teams, put Notre Dame back in the picture, put some of the SEC teams back in the picture? Sure. It, it, that's the most interesting thing for, for me for those two. But I also think when we hit 18 at-larges in the spring and it's all said and done, they're both going to be in safely is my guess. I would agree. In the Big 12, TCU gets the automatic. For me, West Virginia has, has done enough, and, and, and they, would, they would be in. And Oklahoma State sitting on the bubble. Yeah, those are the three for me as well. And Oak State falls into that same spring schedule. They're going to have to be aggressive. And the interesting thing is what for the teams that played in the fall, what are their administrations going to let them do in the spring? Sure. How much yeah. can they really travel because a team like Oklahoma State's going to need a, a really good win or two. And on to the SEC, just completed. Van, Vanderbilt gets the automatic bid, if we've, as we've mentioned. Arkansas, um, I think, is a lock. And uh, Texas A&M and, and South Carolina on the bubble. Yeah, they fall in that Clemson, Virginia, maybe just on the downside of Clemson, Virginia, to me. Another two teams can be important who they play in the spring or who they can get to play them as well. And for both of them, even though they advanced to the semifinals, I felt very good about their chances for at-large bids going into the SEC tournament. And then for some reason on the way out, I didn't feel as good. And they really played to their seeds just about, yeah. um, you know, within reason. But Vanderbilt's emergence and Vanderbilt's really dominant performance kind of puts a little bit of a cloud over every other SEC team, uh, you know, just based on the way Vanderbilt ran the table. Yeah, so I, I looked at uh, – I went and looked at these teams that we said are on the bubble, and, and I just looked – I looked at the, the winning percentage of their wins, right? So if you take the teams they beat, just to look at the maybe the how successful the teams they beat were, to give us a little bit of an idea. So it was really interesting. Um, South Carolina at five uh, five oh seven. The only team um, that the opponents their wins was above five hundred. So South Carolina five oh seven, five oh seven. Clemson at at four fifty six. A and M at three seventy nine. So a big jump there from Clemson down to A and M. Uh, Oklahoma State three seventy. Virginia at the bottom. So, so Virginia's at 349, Virginia's wins were against the least successful teams. Yeah. Um, South Carolina's wins were against more successful teams. But South Carolina also had those two losses to Tennessee and, and Georgia. Uh, that, that hurt some. Yeah. It's interesting because – and then when you go eye test, at full strength, Virginia's probably the top of the list. Correct. If I'm just going aesthetically pleasing, how good do I feel their team is watching them? And, and, and their players. So, I mean, that goes to the point of it's going to be so hard for the committee to separate teams, especially with the, you know, the generally conference play until there's some interconference games. It's a real struggle. And even when they happen, we're talking such a small sample. It's going to yeah, be that, very that, interesting spring. Let me chime in here, Chris. 
Sure, man. Th- those uh, those numbers are uh, damning, you would say, in a normal situation. But don't forget, in the ACC and all ACC, SEC, Big Twelve, we only played conference games, so automatically those records are going to be lower. The percentage is going to be lower, lower. So you're going to have way more people at 500 or below 500 that those teams played because there's only so many wins out there. And if if you have a team like Arkansas that goes seven and one, or a team like uh, A and M that goes seven and one, or, or Florida State goes ten and zero, or whatever it is, they're taking up wins. So it's going to be really hard to get that winning percentage very high. I think if you went and looked at Florida State's winning percentage, it may not be that high because they didn't maybe they didn't only play Carolina at the end or wh- whatever. My point is. It's an interesting stat, but it's a little flawed based oh, sure. on it's, it's one piece, conference games. Right? It, yeah. It's one. It would be one piece of, of the puzzle, but we do look at, you know, opponents, you know, winning percentage and, and, and things like that. And um, it's, yes, it is flawed. I, I totally agree with you. And it is one, one little piece of it. But I thought when I, when I started looking at it, I thought, well, it's kind of interesting. I get to me. It's interesting. It's interesting. I wouldn't have, I, I, I wouldn't have had you Virginia at the bottom of that list. I give you the interesting piece, but again, part of it is who the schedule was, right? Who would Virginia play? I agree with Brian. You, I test these teams. Virginia looks pretty good. They do. They do. Um, yeah. I have never heard of, uh, the eye test being on the uh, list of selection criteria, but I hope that it is because I think it's important. Well, this year, this year that we, and we, and again, uh, not to divulge anything that I shouldn't, but the, the committee, ha- we talked about this. They have to watch the games. And I think the committee is watching the games. Good. And that's going to be a piece of it, especially the big 10 just came out this week and said, they're not playing non-conference. So again, it's going to be really, really interesting. This is going to be fascinating. Yeah, and I think to get a little bit of um, maybe even a little bit of a look at it, you know, uh, based on how they do this college football playoff, right? I mean, they're Mm -hmm. running into the same kind of situations as well, you know. So, um, interesting discussion for sure. When there's been some positives of of COVID and the pandemic when it comes to our sport, you know, playing the one game a week, we've been asking for for years, and now we got a chance to trial it. Other thing we've been asking for years is will the committee please just watch the games <laughs> and you know with an educated eye and it, yeah. and and it's a great story because for some reason a soccer committee can't watch the games but a basketball committee watches every game they literally watch every game so if if those two trends were all we got out of covid from a positive stance that'd be kind of great or from a covid season if we got closer to one game a week and we got the NCAA committee to watch the games that'd be brilliant Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think we're good there, Matt. All right, Brian. Thank you as always. Brian, I'm very thankful to have you on this podcast, but also in my life, Brian, you're a wonderful person and a great friend and bring me great joy and pleasure. You're just saying that because he chose Ashley Orcus. Come on. Uh, (laughs) And it's nice that there's two of us that think that me and you, if you could just talk to my wife a little, get her to feel. Yes. Yes. yes, I hear you. All right. right, Thank you. Excited. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. All right, Chris, excited to bring in our uh, next guest. She's been a loyal podcast listener because I've gotten text messages from her almost every week disagreeing or agreeing or adding in or giving us advice. Or uh, She also has just become a uh, an official pod, College Soccer Nation podcast voter 
on the Power Five. Um, but I will say this, um, you know, we've been looking forward to having her on the entire time and finally found a week where of the uh, match up. So Coach Hoppa, Karen Hoppa from Auburn University, welcome to the College Soccer Nation. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on the show. I've been looking forward to it from day one, and, and I think you finally had an opening you couldn't fill, so you called me up, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, no, you're busy. You have been busy, busy Karen. You have been busy. Uh, that's fair. The last couple of weeks especially. Yes. So uh, last week's uh, Power Five, what did you think? Yeah, that was a tough one for me, and, you know, I know – Chris, you said I'm on Matt's team. I think I've picked your Power Five more than that. Uh-huh. Only because it's better. Yeah, I'm probably seven three in favor of Chris. To be quite yeah, honest, I like it. I like it. Uh-huh. But this one, I think I'm giving Matt the the edge because you know crawfish boil. That's my people too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. Alabamians. He's got to win. He's got to win sometime, Karen. So it's okay. It's okay. Yes. Awesome. So anyway, Karen, um, you know. For- First thing we always like to do with all of our guests, all of our guests that have been coaches is um, if you wouldn't mind walk us through kind of how you've gotten to this point at Auburn. So I, obviously I know very well, but give us your um, kind of career path to this point. Cause I think our listeners would find it very interesting. Yeah. You know, um, I had a career path that you can't really have right now. Um, but I, I knew from high school that I wanted to coach. Uh, my senior year, I started getting recruited by these guys. I thought, wow, that's a full-time job. That's really cool. I want to do that. But it really wasn't a career at the time and uh, late 80s to date myself. And especially it wasn't a career for a female. Um, but I started coaching high school when I was in college. And I coached a high school team in the winter and just fell in love with it and had to figure out a way. So I graduated. I stayed on as the assistant. I was the only assistant on a top 25 UCF team. I played at UCF and part-time my first year, I think I made a whopping $2,500 for the year as the only assistant on top 25 team. And, um, I did that for two years. And in the spring, um, they, um, had let the coach go. They had some interim coaches in, um, and they were going to split the position because the position at the time was coaching head coach was men and women. And, um, they just never quite filled the position for the women. And then, um, they needed an AD, a men's basketball coach and a women's soccer coach in the summer. And you can imagine which one was on the back burner. And, um, I had a friend of mine working in the department called me up in the summer and said, Hey, listen, you know, they probably hire you as interim. They really want a woman. There aren't any, and I thought I got out of coaching for that spring and I thought, well, you know, let me just give it a try. Just, I don't want to be 30 and say, I wish I would have. And uh, so I put my name in and the AD hired me at UCF to be the head coach. I was 23 years old. The seniors were freshmen when I was a player. Wow. And he, he says to me, you know, you're going to be the youngest division one head coach in the country. And, and I'm thinking, do you know <laughs> the youngest division one head coach in the country? And um, yeah, I was interim that year and, and really counted it as, as a success just to get to the team where I was going. I couldn't even rent vehicles. We couldn't afford a bus. It was a, a big hot mess trying to figure it out, navigate that year. I was hired uh, August 4th for the season. Um, but, you know, from there, just loved it and grew, learned the hard way, thrown right into the fire. And um, the six years at UCF, four of which I enjoyed your company, Matt, and mm-hmm. won five championships there. And um, I felt I had taken that team at the highest level I could at the time. We were in the, the trans 
ATTACK, Transatlantic Athletic Conference, which I think now is the ASUN. Um, and I, I looked at some jobs, and, and uh, Florida State in particular was one I really wanted at that time, but they weren't interested. And a friend of mine said, hey, you should really look at Auburn. I didn't know anything about it other than there was a barn at the at, by the field. That's all I remembered from when we had played there. Um, but they they um, flew me in for an interview, and I just fell in love. It's a great place, uh, great athletic department. The people are amazing. And um, got that opportunity at 29, and 22 years later, I'm, I'm still at Auburn loving it every day. So real quick, the the high school, though, you're coaching the boys, right? Well, I coached uh, girls high school while I was still in college for two years. And then when I became the assistant at UCF, I couldn't coach the girls anymore. But the compliance guy who was also the business manager and in charge of the grounds and the building, <laughs> everything else, I think he was our only associate AD, but he approved me. Said I could coach the boys because that was a different school. Uh, yeah, I coached two years of boys high school as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Age 21 and 22, I did get asked to prom quite a lot. But, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Tell me about um, how we both made the same mistake. <laughs> Joe's back at some point. How did that come about for you? Well, um, you know, I was very strategic in my hiring of Matt. Um, you know, I was I was in my office one day and I got a phone call, and this guy's telling me how he's a, a head D three coach at some school I never heard of in New York, and he's moving to Orlando and going to go to school here, and just you know wants to be a part of a big time D one program and he'll shag balls or do anything. And I'm like, yeah, sure, look me up when you get here. So that spring semester, he showed up in my office. There's Matt, um, wanted to shag balls. And I, I uh, at the time, it was just me. I had a, a former player who was a fifth year who was working as an assistant and um, because I begged her to as she was finishing her degree. So I didn't really have a staff. And he, he would come out and just shag balls. And the more I got to know him, um, the more I realized he might actually know a thing or two, uh, about soccer. So we started giving him a little more work and a little more work. And, uh, he was working as a bartender at the time and I would go up there and we would plan sessions on cocktail napkins. And, um, yeah. yeah and the next yep. year we were fighting for some money for him. And then, you know, we eventually got the position full time. So yeah, that was my strategy. I answered the phone. Yeah. Let's, let's be clear though, Karen. The reason I got the assistant job was because I was 25 and I could rent a van. <laughs> and we had to go on a spring game, and you and I were the only two that could rent vans. So that really started me down the path, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, let's be clear about the bar, right? So I was, I was working, I was going to school full time, finishing my degree, helping you out, working at the bar. You came down to the bar, and we did a lot of practice planning on those napkins and. You know, you ate and drank for a pretty good bar tab. I think back back in those days, so we had yeah, a lot of fun know, at the bar. Yes, you you did take care of of me at the bar tab. That was um, also a good strategy. That was you were still paying me then. Eventually, I yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I also know the biggest thing for me, Chris, is I worked camp that summer when I got down there, and Karen paid me. I didn't think she was going to pay me because I just didn't. I don't know why I didn't think that, but she paid me and gave me a bonus, and I went home to my my girlfriend, who's my wife now at the time, goes like, Jen, you're not going to believe this. I got paid and she gave me a bonus. <laughs> you know, and I think the bonus might have been 50 bucks, but still it was the greatest thing ever. Sure. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's quite a, quite a crew. But anyway, um, coach, you know, I did become um, an assistant coach and I became, quote unquote, recruiting coordinator. 
So why don't you tell Chris about one of my top recruits I got at uh, at uh, UCF at the time? Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait for this. <laughs> All right. So, by the way, I think you were the first women's soccer recruiting coordinator in the country, and the first right. head that coach. That may be true. That may be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had the titles. Yeah, yeah, it was all. I mean, it was UCF. We didn't have a lot of money. I had to go with the titles. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get what you have. Yeah. Um. So (laughs) we were at Orange Classic and uh, big tournament back in the day. And this was the '90s, right? There's no cell phones. There's very little, uh, no digital information. And um, Matt watches this kid for some club team. Oh, you gotta come watch her. You know, such and such number. Big, tall kid, taller than me, athletic, great on the ball. I'm like, yeah, great. Call her up, Matt. Get her on a visit. So <laughs> Matt gets it done. Get, she's really excited to hear from UCF. Brings her in on a on a visit. And Matt, why don't you pick up here when you you picked her up? Matt picked her up. The yeah, airport. taller pick, than me, pick, Matt, and I'm five nine. So yes, yeah. yeah. So big time player. Right. We're like, and not, you know, I'm like, you know, she's on the list. So obviously, so I call her, she's like, no, I'm not committed. I'm like, great. You want to, so we fly her up. I think she lived in, in Miami. Maybe we flew her into Orlando. That's how much we want her. You know, our budget UCF wasn't that big. So flew her in, I go to the airport, she gets off the plane and, and I'm waiting for her to get off the plane. And this girl comes walking up to me, who's about five foot three and says, Hey Matt, I'm, I'm so-and-so the name. And I look at her and I'm like, oh, my God, it's the wrong kid. <laughs> it's the wrong kid. You called, called the wrong, the wrong kid. I called the wrong kid. No, no, no. This is what happens. So we go back and I call Karen. I go, oh, my God, Karen. I, coach, I think I called it. Coach, I got the wrong kid. I got the wrong kid. Right? I think we'd already even offered her at this point. So I go back to my notes. And I look it up. The kid was a, a like a sophomore at – a freshman at Florida State right? That was wearing this kid's jersey oh. at the game. So, I, I mean, I can pick a good player. She was at Florida State, right? <laughs> Coming to UCF too, I think, Karen, didn't she? Yeah, so here, here's the end of this. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> we offered her a recruited walk-on spot on the on the team, and she took it, and then we got the job at Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Our recruiting class that year was really good, but Amanda Cromwell, who took that job after me, was probably like, what were they thinking with this kid? Yeah. Someone else's problem now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got another good recruiting walk-on story, by the way. So we used to, back in the day, in the 90s, we used to run the uh, – run the Cooper test around the track, Chris, you know, the Cooper test, right? It's seven laps around the track. So, you know, back then you would have a number of walk-ons. So I'll never forget this one day. Yeah, exactly. Preseason we're out there at the track, right. And we're running and there's this one girl kind of running behind. And I go, I go to Karen. I'm like, this kid's not going to make it right. Karen's like, I'm with you. She's not going to make it. So the team's running next thing we know, it looks, she runs out of the back fence down to her car and just leaves. Takes, <laughs> takes off. Like, never comes back again. Like, he's running the test. Oh, God. It's unbelievable. But anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Karen, I, you know, I've mentioned before on, on the podcast um, about how impressed I've been with the consistency of your program over the years. Um, year in and year out, your team is quality. Um you compete really hard. Uh, your team typically is very difficult to beat and it leads to success. And, um, and, and, you know, it's successful 
whether you have a bunch of good players or maybe, you know, you're lacking talent, you know, in, in one year or the next. So I want to ask you, like, you have some, uh, I don't know, keys to that consistency that, that you think, you know, or um, that work for you? You know, it's a, it's a great question, and I appreciate the compliment. We, we have been blessed with a lot of success and a lot of great teams. Um, you know, as you ask that question, I'm trying to think of what really the keys are. A couple things come to mind. One is, um, you know, staffs. I have great staffs always, obviously, um, not to blow Matt's head up, but, you know, certainly started with him and what a great job he did. But we were able to, when he left for you, I thought it was, was the end of the world. I thought it was the end of the world for my assistant. And, and, you know, I really did. And, you know, it was the first time I had to go through that. And, and, um, you know, then I was able to hire, you know, um, great people, you know, equal to the task and the the foundation that Matt laid. So um, I, I think that's a big part of it because I have, a, I have great assistant coaches. They're high level coaches. They're high character people. And I let them coach, you know, I'm not a one voice um, person on the sidelines, you know, I, I let them coach and, and i I think three heads are better than one. So that makes me smarter than I am. Cause I got two other good brains with me all the time. Um, so I think that's a good, good part of it. And then, um, we really prioritize character in recruiting. So that for me comes before talent, um, is character. And, you know, obviously we need the talent too, but the, the character of the people that we bring in, you know, we, we talk about, at Auburn having Auburn men and women and that means something to us and um, that's a priority for me is is getting those high character kids that you know I know are going to work hard and um, be good citizens and and give it their all day in day out and I think between those two pieces you got good people to coach with and you got you know great character kids on your team they're going to work hard every day and and um, you know I think that gives you a shot day in day out. Well, I think the um, you know the thing that stands out for me as you, as you said that and it pops into my head, like your coaching tree um, has been pretty successful, right? I mean, you got Kadani who's gone on and done great things at, at USC, and you know uh, Matt has certainly had great success, um, and then and then now you know James over at, at Mississippi State, um, those guys have gone on and done done pretty well, and. You know that's a that's a credit to your mentoring um, and and to um, you know the education that, that you put those guys through and 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 the preparation that that uh, you've given them. Um, their success is outstanding, and I, I may have missed one or two, but you know those those jump out at me for sure. Yeah, those three have been great, and and you know hopefully I taught them a thing or two, but I, I think it goes back to hiring. You know, I've learned, done a long time and learned, you know, how important that is, is, is hiring the right people and, and good people, and then give them the reins to, to do things. You know, we give them the reins, like we joked about Matt being a recruiting coordinator way back in the day, played such an important role and he was able to take the lead in that department of, of the program. And, and, you know, so I think that's a big part of it too, hiring the right people and then giving them the freedom to, to do their job. Let's, let's talk about the reins for a minute. So, Chris, you probably don't know the story, but I had an opportunity to coach my first game, right? We were beating FAU as at UCF 2 nothing at FAU, okay? Uh, and we had the worst official you've ever met in your life, right? And I don't remember what happened, but some, I think they, they two-footed us, Karen, right? One of our kids, they like bad tackle. So Karen yells at the ref, and he comes over, and he's just this 
very male chauvinist jerk, really, is who he is. So she he cards Karen, right? So then at halftime, she goes up to talk to me. I'm right there in a very calm, calm conversation, right? Am I right about this? He never carded me. I never got a yellow. Oh, okay. So at halftime, though, she goes up yeah. to him, and he gives her a straight red. So I'm thinking, giddy up. Here we go. I'm going to be the coach. My first game. I mean, we're already up to nothing. We're killing this team. I'm in, right? Well, then Karen, like, asks him one more question, and he cancels the game. I'm telling you, I would say if Karen was out of line, she wasn't all. She, I was standing right there. He's like, game's over. Game's canceled. Oh, God. Canceled the game. Uh, so I didn't get to coach my first game until many years later. Because you probably would have lost 3 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, really? Is that right? You're only red. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So ridiculous. But anyway, I thought I was going to get the reins. I didn't. It took me a little while. I got the reins my first job was when she was with the national team winning the damn world world cup and i uh I, we she's gone for the world cup with the 19th right karen yeah. mm-hmm. and she's her, she, she's in charge of scheduling at this point and we open up with west virginia and evansville. evansville no she not only is karen not there but either is our starting goalkeeper went to an okra so didn't i Did you an o, to an o, no big game sign of things to come <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good it's good all right karen you know we always do this right we uh we want you to talk about auburn obviously i'm a huge fan of all three of my kids were born there seven years you know i karen was in my wedding i was in her wedding she's the godmother of my uh my oldest son dean so we obviously have great great history and and i i think the world of auburn as well but spend a few minutes for us please and tell us about uh why it's been so good for you well, you know, obviously 22 years, I've certainly had opportunities to go other places, but um, to me, it's it's a perfect fit. It's a great, great university, one of the top athletic departments in the country, no doubt. Um, and it's a great place to raise a family. You know, I have a nine-year-old daughter. My husband's got a great job. And it's a great, great family community. The schools are terrific. Um, and the university is um, really embraces the family atmosphere. I mentioned it about creating Auburn men and women and, and they take being part of the Auburn family to heart. Um, and then the other piece we talk about a lot is the, the quality academics. We've got a terrific academic level. Uh, a lot of people think we're a private school because academically we operate that way a lot. We're actually a public school. Um, so it's great academics. And then, you know, my, my team, as I mentioned, the character of this group is outstanding. We got a young group. We were starting five freshmen pretty consistently throughout the year and, you know, really, really, excited about this this group and the future of the program awesome. can, you, can you tell me karen about this place you have down in key west i keep hearing about this place in key west what, what's this all about because <laughs> i'm jealous okay <laughs> uh, well that comes from my husband's side of the family so he was actually born down in key west oh wow uh, yeah his dad was in the military he was stationed down there making some missiles probably aiming them in the direction of cuba at that time in uh 71 and um so he was military and they they had planned it to have the baby before he got out of the military because it was free and um so he was born here and then two months later they moved back to wisconsin where he grew up but um the family always came back um to visit once they got older and could afford it and you know once scott and i were um engaged i started coming down here with them and we always talked about investing in a place and and Part of the deal, to be quite honest with you, Chris, is 
when my husband and I were dating, I was at Auburn, he was at Chicago and really on a fast track in his career. And he sacrificed and moved to Auburn. And part of the deal was that when we retire, we would live half the time in Key West and half the time in Wisconsin, which I said, fine, I'm in. Um, so eventually we started talking about investing in a place. We bought a real home right in Old Town in Key West. And um, awesome. it, it's really a blessing for us, you know, with both of us, um, always a hundred miles an hour with our career. It's a great place to go and just spend quality family no, time. And, and good for you. Let, let me say good this, for you. Uh, Chris, as I was in Karen's wedding and I'm a, a huge fan of her husband, we got to mention Scott, great, great guy. Karen, you know, was one of the few eligible bachelors, bachelorettes in Auburn. And when she got up with Scott, you know, I said to Karen, one point, I said, Karen, you need to get married to this guy because there's no way to do better than this guy. Right? <laughs> he did. He no. told me I could do no better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a fantastic guy. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and he turned me on to the best bratwurst you can have. So, uh, and he's a Packers fan. So, anyway, good guy. Good guy. Good. Yep. Good. All, All right. right, Karen, thanks so much for being on. Great. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, great, Karen. Thanks very much. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great holiday. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Have a great holiday. See you. Y'all too. Bye. All right, Chris. That was fun, Matt. Yeah, I told you she'd be good. Like, yeah. Still chuckling. Still chuckling at about a couple of stories. But anyway, we got to move on, right? Let's keep it rolling. Um, All right. What do we got next? Go ahead, Chris. What are we looking forward to this week? For me? Yeah. The kids are all coming home. How about that? I'll have the whole oh. family together. The kids are, Mickey's already back, and uh, Andrew and, and Gabby will be back on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so looking forward to having them here. Obviously, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. Um, falling asleep watching um, the Washington football team and the Cowboys. You know, that's one of those games where um, I win either way because somebody loses and you know, I like when both of those teams lose. Nobody's a winner uh, yeah, with that so game. There's no yeah. winners. With who's going to win? That, who's going to win that one? By the way, how are the Cowboys not winning? They're better. We got a guy uh-huh. on one leg is our quarterback. He's a one-legged quarterback. <laughs> Please let the Cowboys win. They need to have a fourth place schedule next year. That's what I'm shooting for. <laughs> so you want the? You mean you want Washington to win? Uh, sure. That's what I'm pulling for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's you know, it's so funny because back in the day, we would be really excited. For this big oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm th- I'm going to to the producer's house in in, in Huntsville. I'm yeah. going to my brother's house, and the whole family's uh, going to be there. It's going to be a good time. But uh, yeah, it, like we normally, you know, we are big Washington football team fans, and he's a big Cowboys family fan. It would be great, but almost almost both of us want the game want to lose. It's kind of crazy. There, there were many years, Matt, that uh, we spent Thanksgiving together down in in we Boca. Did. Yes. We would go watch the football games, right? And we would have yep. hotel turkey. Yeah. And uh, I, but I, I, I. But also, hold on. Let's just talk about that. Jim Wayne said this to me this week, and he's right. Was it really turkey? Do we know, know what it was they were having in there. It was a bunch of slop uh, yeah. that tasted okay. I didn't mind yeah. the taste, but I'm not sure it was turkey. I don't no, know I'm if it was forward to, uh, duck in there or something. It was, yeah. No, but, I'm looking forward to my wife's cooking. She's you should be best when it comes to this stuff. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It'll be a great day. Yeah, good for you. Tell the crew I said, oh, all right, are we ready for uh, Power 5? Speaking of Thanksgiving dinners. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't say this at the beginning. The Power Five is, I think it's kind of interesting this week. It's the uh, the five top dishes for Thanksgiving not named um, turkey, right? 
All right. So five dishes that are not turkey. Who's going first today? You or me? And, and I just want to be, can, uh, does this include desserts? Yes. Appetizer? It could be anything. Just anything. Okay. But it's got to be, you know, you got to hear it and think, oh, yeah, that's Thanksgiving. I mean, you can't yeah. come out with something that's not a Thanksgiving. You would find on most pay- Thanksgiving tables, maybe. Well, it, it, you know, it's got to be, it's got to represent the topic. Like, you would yes. never say a horse is the best athlete, something like that, right? No, but you also wouldn't say pizza is a Thanksgiving Correct. meal. Yeah. Correct. Okay. More, I'm right. Better example. Better example. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. You're number five. I'm going first. Okay. Pumpkin pie. I, I, I can't stand pumpkin pie. Overrated, completely, <laughs> completely overrated. It makes no sense. It doesn't taste good. I got no time for you. You could be in trouble this week early. No, no, no. Early well, here's pie. why I might be in tro- trouble on that one, because there are a lot of people who absolutely love pumpkin pie. And then there's a small percentage of people out uh, there like large, you, right, yeah, no. who, don't, who don't like it. But pumpkin pie. All right, man. That's as Thanksgiving as you get, Matt. I mean, what's more Thanksgiving than pumpkin pie? The, the, <laughs> Turkey. Anyway, all right, ready? Ham. Ham. Nice, nice big, yes, of oh, course, big old ham. No. Yeah, maybe bone-in, bone-out, bone glazed. Thanksgiving. No. Oh, no, it's, it's actually It's like glazed. all salty. You got to slice some turkey and a slice of ham, and you're golden. Everything no. else is just a bunch. No. All right, number four for you. Cranberry sauce. <laughs> That is awful. It's awful. It's awful. awful. Throw in the towel, Mick. Throw in the towel. (laughs) (laughs) When you look at it, you think, oh, this is going to be a nice little treat. Then you taste it. You're like, what is this? Well, you eat. Oh, you you are over two. You must have somebody making it that doesn't make it so well. (laughs) Maybe so. All right. My number four pecan pie. Uh, no, see, like nuts in a pie makes no sense. No, <laughs> no, no. The jelly is delicious. No, oh, it's delicious. no. Yes, no. That's a good one. All right, it number is not. Two, it's not. You're, you're yes. in trouble on that one. That one. No. That one's gonna hurt. That pecan gonna pie hurt. is excellent. Yeah, it's excellent. All right, number three for you. This one. This one is gonna be interesting to see how you react to this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Candied yams. <laughs> Are you throwing this one because you know I love Thanksgiving? Is that what you're doing? You're like Matt no, loves Thanksgiving, no, no, because I so think, I'm going to throw I think this. Public, one. the public will yams. Appreciate Who these. in the hell eats yams? Uh, no, no, he said he said candied candied yams. That makes yes. it worse. What does that mean? You never had it with like you know a little brown sugar on top, marshmallows. No, I have not. I've never eaten that one time in my life because this is where I'm going to go with. How about sweet potatoes? I don't like sweet potatoes all the with all the desserts it's on the it. Same thing. Parmesan, sweet potatoes are yams. No, 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 no. Parmesan, sage, butter, delicious. Sweet potato with Parmesan, sage, a little butter melted on top. No. It's fantastic. Candy yes. yams are much better. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right. You're number two. Stuffing. Yeah, I like stuffing. I'm not gonna I'm not saying it's two, it's not even on my list, but stuffing is I do enjoy stuff, and it, it made my honorable mention, but it's it's good. So far, you're, you're bombing this. All right, now my number two, mashed potatoes. Well. Yes, yes, butter hot. I know, no, I, it's my them. number one. It's my number one. <laughs> <See? laughs> All right, good. All right, my number one then. Yeah. Yeast rolls, homemade rolls. My mom used to cook them, brand it, put them down by the fire, let them rise, butter on them. You got to have the roll. You got to have a proper bread. A yeast roll is the proper bread. Uh, yeast roll is okay. 
I used to roll it. It's better than okay, Chris. You get, I know when you say it's okay, you're like, damn, that's a good one. I wish I would have thought of it. That's what you were thinking. No, no, no. You're like, I, I wish I would have thought of it. I did not think of that one. When you said sweet potatoes after I said yams, and they're the same thing. Are they? Yeah, they are. My sweet potatoes. That's the problem. You, the parmesan, laugh, you don't put you parmesan on your I said potatoes. yams. You didn't even know what they were. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Actually, it's true. I didn't know uh, what they were. Well, let's, right, let's keep see what what. Uh, yeah, how we got it. voters. Karen's got a yeah. vote. Hold on. Uh, you know, by the way, I have another one. Oh, go ahead. I, was gonna say, I got bad. I got bad news for you, Matt. That uh, at uh, at your Thanksgiving dinner, there will be the uh, the yams with the marshmallows and the brown sugar. So uh, oh, okay. we do well, make that. It's very good. Are, it's actually we'll very. Come good. on next week. When we come <laughs> on. Next week, we're gonna ask them how it was. <laughs> I'm not trying it. No way. You anyway, have to. All right. All right, yeah, I'll try it. Um, hold on. So back to the voters. Yes. So Derek Leader's in. Yes. Right? He he had it as a draw. Karen gave it to me. The Concordians split this week, right? Uh, Linda said, I, no, Linda said you won and Mark split no, us. They both, they, they conferred that I won. I don't think that's true. And then um, Brian Copham had it as a draw. He had me as winning. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah, maybe he did. All right, what about... Yeah, he had to draw on Coast Guard week. Oh, you're right, you're right. All right, what are we doing about... Um, we need one more one more picker. Well, Jim what about Wayne? Matt Yelton? What about Jim Matt Wayne? Yelton? No, no, you, you said Jim Wayne, and I agreed to Jim Wayne, and Jim Wayne had me as well. Yeah, but Jim's like three episodes behind. <laughs> He's not caught up. He's, He's still up. talking about Jordan and LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. What about Matt Young? Matt Young's a loyal listener. Well, now, like you, now you're going to have six. Then you gotta, you're going to have a tie. They're all picking you, so what does it matter? They're fair people. True, they all, they're all picking me. Look, you can, you can have as many as you want. I, that's I like that. That's better. All right, anyway. Uh, barbecue recipe. So, real quick, how to fry a turkey, right? A lot of people like to fry turkeys. This uh, this time of uh, this time of year, I'm going to give you six quick, very quick steps. First and foremost, most important thing is measure out the right oil level. So take your fryer, put in water, uh, just fill it with water, put in the turkey, and then get it to where it's just two inches above the above the uh, turkey. Mark that line. Take the turkey out. Take the water out. Fill your oil to that line. Oil is very important. That's how you blow up your house if you get the wrong temperature oil. Then you got to set up the turkey fryer in the heat, get the heat going. Um, you know, you kind of want it bubbling somewhere around 375 degrees. Prep your turkey, get the spices, inject it, whatever you want to do from the turkey standpoint. Slowly lower the turkey into the oil. Slow, you'll, you'll blow your house up if you step five fry your turkey till it hits 165 internal temperature 165 165 very important chicken turkey anything you want to get to 165 when you're cooking and then take it out let it rest about 30 minutes at the least so the longer the better carve it up enjoy nice fried turkey there's your barbecue recipe for week 11 um what else? Anything else, Chris? No, but that sounds good, Matt. That was that was a good recipe. I like that one. Good. Last thing I'm going to say, real quick, uh, not to put a somber mood on this one, but lost my bus driver this this week. Uh, dog, Mr. C. Clinton Mooney, passed away from stomach cancer. He, Eleven years was my bus driver. You know, when in our business, bus drivers are completely underrated. Um, this guy was just the best. He loved our team, loved our players, and for me, you know, when you walk over to the bus and you've just lost a tough game. He's a guy you like to see pat you on the back, doesn't say anything, leaves you alone. When you win, he's high-fiving you, telling you what a great job. He just was the absolute best. And uh, 
passed away this week. So that was a tough one for, for all of the rebel families, drove us, drove softball, drove basketball and football and, and uh, just one of the best guys ever. So pour one out for him during Thanksgiving, uh, you know, rest in peace, Mr. C. Sorry for your loss, man. Thanks, Chris. All right. Uh, again, please download us at College Soccer Nation. Um, you got a question for the show. You can email us at Chris or at Matt, collegesoccernation.com. Um, you know, please download Cyber Guy, Darren's podcast. Really good. We want to thank Darren uh, Mott for producing us, DJM Productions. Um, you know, great show today, I thought. Brian was good. Karen was fantastic. Uh, one of our best ones. Please download us. Give us five-star rating. And Chris, have a great Thanksgiving. Tell the family and the kids I said hello, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at chris at collegesoccernation.com or matt at collegesoccernation.com. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and produced by Darren Mott.